And you know the Bible has a lot to say about his second coming. But I've never really taken the time to go back and look at the prophecies and the things in the Old Testament that point to his first coming. And uh, we're going to do that. And I think it'll be interesting as we look and see what the people in the Old Testament had available to them concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus. And I think it'll be it'll be very interesting. You know, there were people looking for his first coming, just like there's people looking for his second coming. Did you know that? It'd be very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, it's something I've never covered. And so I think you'll find it very interesting. Um, but this message today will set us up for that. And uh, I'm going to talk to you today about rich man, poor man, rich man, poor man. Um, this message will not only set us up for Jesus's first coming, you know, when he was born of the virgin, but it'll also be significant in that it'll get us to thinking, you know, Christmas has been materialized, hasn't it? And it'll get us to thinking about uh, ourselves. Have we become materialistic like so much of the United States? And so that's why I teach this, among other reasons. But, you know, some vehemently argue that Jesus was poor financially. And over the last 35 years or so, many vehemently argue that Jesus was rich financially. Now, you know that as well as I do. Back many, many years ago, uh, people, preachers taught that we needed to be poor and broke to be spiritual, right? Is that right? I know they did. Back in, in the years back Long before I was born, it was, you know, people take a vow of pop preachers a lot of times that take Christians take a vow of poverty and 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 they'd argue that Jesus was poor financially. And then over the past 35, 40 years, give or take, gotten in the ditch on the other side of the road. You know, I've noticed so many Christians are ditch Christians. They're either in one ditch on one side of the road or one ditch on the other side of the road. And over the last 35, 40 years, there's been much teaching that Jesus was mega rich, mega just loaded with money. And you know, I want to take a look at this and find out, was Jesus rich or was he poor or what what was he? And you know, so much depends on the glasses you're wearing as you read the scripture as to whether or not Jesus was rich or poor. Let's put the poor glasses on for a minute. Is that okay? Can I put the poor glasses on? Yes or no? Put the poor glasses on. Let's go back about 50, 60, 100 years or whatever and put the poor glasses on. Okay, Jesus, the way, oh, through these glasses, Jesus was a poor man. After all, the baby Jesus was laid in a manger. That's a feeding trough for animals. Mary and Joseph couldn't afford a room in the hotel. And the offering Joseph and Mary offered eight days after Jesus was born was a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. It was an offering that poor people offered. So Mary and Joseph were poor. And Jesus 
worked as a carpenter, and that's a very humble profession. You can't make much money doing that. And then Jesus was homeless. He had no home because he said himself that he had nowhere to lay his head. He said foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus didn't have anywhere, poor Jesus, didn't have anywhere to stay. Nowhere to, to, to you know, sleep at night. Had to just depend on people to put him up and let him spend the night. And, of course, Jesus didn't have enough money to pay his taxes. In fact, he needed to rely on a fish with a coin in its mouth to pay his taxes. And then when he made that triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he did it on a lowly donkey. Because he couldn't afford a white stallion, a white horse. So a little donkey. Poor Jesus on that little donkey. And of course he didn't have enough money to buy his own tomb for his body to be laid in. He had to borrow that. And of course Jesus talked about the dangers of riches and he had harsh things to say about rich people. So Jesus was poor. Poor Jesus. Now then, let's take those glasses off. Let's put the rich glasses on. You ready? Am I boring you? Oh, Jesus is rich. With these glasses on, shortly after Jesus was born, he had three rich kings looking for him. And they opened their treasures and gave him great gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and gold that just stacked up, just stacked up to the horse's bridle and, and perfume and frankincense and myrrh. And, and Jesus was set for life. He had so much money that the, that the kings brought him. And of course, Jesus was heir to the family carpentry business. Which carpentry was very lucrative back in that day. And he fell heir to that. And of course when he went into ministry he sold that. And he probably sold it and had so much money that you know. And of course he had a house large enough to hold large crowds of people. And of course he had a treasurer. Now if you're poor you don't need a treasurer. And the treasurer was stealing money, no less. And how could you steal money? It had to be a whole lot there because if there was just a little there and he was stealing, everybody would know that money was gone. And there must have been so there must have been you know millions and millions or hundreds of thousands in there because you could steal from that. Nobody'd know it was gone. And of course, he had a tax accountant, Matthew. So not only did he have a treasurer, but he had a tax man on his staff, and he. Jesus was so rich he was able to provide for 12 full-time employees as well as 70 part-timers from time to time when he needed extra people to go out and spread the message. And of course, don't forget, Jesus, I mean, he just walked down the river, river bank and fish would just jump up and spit money out at him. And remember that lady that, 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 
that poured that perfume that perfume on him, you know, that that was worth a year's salary. Jesus wore a cologne that was worth forty, fifty thousand dollars a bottle. The best. Nothing but the best. And he rode a donkey into Jerusalem in that triumphant entry and that he made there on Palm Sunday. And I want to let you know that Jesus, nothing but the best for him. It wasn't a used donkey. Nobody had ever sat on that donkey. Jesus was loaded. Was loaded. Yeah, if Jesus was here in this time, it'd be a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes Benz. And it'd be a, never a used car for Jesus. Always brand spanking new. I don't think... Do you think the people realize that I'm giving them two ditches? Do you think they get that? Okay. You don't think they really... It's because over the last 35 years, there's been so much teaching, errant teaching done, that a lot of people probably think that what I'm saying now is accurate right on. I'm in a ditch right now, guys. You get that? There's people saying, oh, Jesus, he'd have the Rolls Royce. He'd have the $80 million jet, you know. And, of course, Jesus was so rich, he wore nothing but the best. Because after all, those soldiers were shooting dice for his garment. It was, it was without seam. Remember that? They parted the rest of his garments four ways. But then that undergarment, I mean, that thing was, there's, that must have been worth, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. I mean, that thing was Saks Fifth Avenue all the way because it was without seam and The best money could buy for Jesus. And of course his body. Was not laid in a poor man's tomb. His body went in. Huh? A rich man's tomb. Because Jesus ain't going to be laying his body in no poor man's tomb. A rich man's tomb. And a new one by the way. Because nobody had ever been in in there. Laid in there. Because nothing but the best for Jesus. He was just loaded. I want to take those glasses off too. I don't want to use the poor glasses. And I don't want to use the rich glasses. Let's put the middle of the road glasses on. Is that okay? Because you know between two extremes there's always. And both of those extremes are error. But the truth is where? In the. Middle of the, let's get in the middle of the road and stay in the middle of the road. What do you say? Is that okay? Because there's something about the poor Jesus that just doesn't sit right with me on the inside. And there's something about the rich Jesus that just doesn't sit with me right on the inside. I like to stay in the middle of the road. What about you? Let's put those glasses on. What do you say? Is that okay? Oh, okay, now it looks more clear. Two extremes. Where is the truth found? Somewhere in the, in the middle. Baby Jesus was laid in a manger. He could have been laid anywhere God wanted him to be laid. But he put him in a manger to show humility. 
And that blesses the socks off of me. Apparently, Joseph and Mary could have afforded a room in the inn. There just wasn't one available. They tried to go get one. They could have afforded the room. It just wasn't available. You okay? The offering of Joseph and Mary of the turtle doves or the pigeon, the pigeons does indicate that they were of humble means. You okay with that? I don't believe that the Bible teaches us that Joseph and Mary were multimillionaires or well off. They were he was a carpenter. He made a decent living. I'm convinced of that. But I don't see where he was a multi, that Joseph was a multimillionaire. I believe they were of humble means. You know what I mean when I say humble means? The wise men did open their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They fell down and worshipped Jesus. Then presented in worship their gifts. And I think to say that, like I heard one minister say, and not judging the man, we need to judge what comes across pulpits, including this one, right? I think to say, well, Jesus, I heard him say this. He said, Jesus wasn't, wasn't hardly even born yet, wasn't barely born. He had three rich dudes looking for him to give him money. Listen to me. Listen to me. That statement cheapens the worship of the three kings or however many kings there were. Listen to me. When somebody said, yeah, Jesus hadn't even hardly been born yet. And he had three rich dudes looking for him. All that does is cheapens the worship of the three wise men. Did you get what I said? How many got what I just said? See, there's nothing, and not to be corrective to anyone, but it's just the truth. There's nothing funny about, well, Jesus, he was just barely born. He had three rich dudes looking for him to, to, to give him money. There's nothing funny about that. All that does is cheapen the gifts, the worship that the three rich men, three rich kings had for Jesus. Did, did you get in that? I want to be sure that gets through to you. There's been so much prosperity taught in the last 30 years and a lot of it under the guise of comedy, you know, you know, three rich dudes looking for these kings, these wise men came out of out of out of love and worship. And they came and they brought these gifts to worship Jesus. Are you do you are you you getting what I'm saying? That money was very precious because that allowed Mary and Joseph and Jesus to go into Egypt and live there for however long they were there when Herod was killing the little babies. Remember that? That was provision. That wasn't something that set Jesus up for the rest of his life. I'll prove that to you here in a moment. It was for the provision of the next few years. I don't know how much money it was. What difference does it make? It was a worship that came from the hearts of these wise men, however many there were. And you know, somebody will come up after the service. Hopefully none of you will, but did you know there might not have been three wise men? Listen, 
you're missing the point. It's not about how many wise men. It's about it's about their offering. Say amen. amen. You know, people get caught up in minor little piddly things. I don't think any of you'd be like that anymore. We used to have people here. I'd give a great truth and they'd come up afterwards and they'd nitpick with me over how many wise men there were or whatever it was. What's the point here? Let's don't say three rich dudes were looking for him to cough up some money for him. To... Let's don't say that. That's disrespectful. It, it, it cheapens their offering. You okay? Are you or aren't you? All right. Now let's go on. Carpentry was an honorable profession, but not necessarily a lucrative one. Jesus probably worked as a carpenter. Some say he did. Some say he didn't. He was known as the carpenter's son. You can't really find that he actually worked as a carpenter. He probably did. He also studied a whole lot. How do I know that? You mean Jesus didn't just have all that knowledge just conferred on him? No, he was human just like you or me. He had to study. And he studied so much so that at 12 years old he was confounding the doctors of the law. Remember that? He had to study. So he was working probably as a carpenter. He studied. Was it a family business that Joseph had? I don't know. Did they work somewhere for some other business, you know, as carpenters? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that Jesus fell heir to the carpentry business. I don't know. Scripture does tell us that Jesus had a house. Very clear. You can find it. Where is it, Pastor Terry? You go find it this next week. You can find it. It's in, it's in the gospel. One of the four accounts. You can find it. But it doesn't tell us very much, if, if, if anything, about the house. Remember when Jesus said foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Do you remember? We quoted that a minute ago. That didn't mean he didn't have a house. He was on the road traveling. And as a traveling minister, you go out on, you ask any minister that's ever traveled to any degree. I've never traveled to any degree, but these ministers that have come through here, they'll, they'll tell you they're out on the road so many weeks out of the year. They'll tell you, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. It's always in a hotel or something. You know, Jesus always had decent accommodations. People, people did. Take care of him. Remember there in Bethany, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and they were very wealthy. And he would stay in that area. Remember that? But I'm not comfortable telling you what Jesus' house, how big it was, how small it was. We don't know. Jesus never talked about his house. That's the kind of a minister I want to follow. Somebody that's not talking about their house all the time and how big it is and how much wonderful furniture they have. Can anybody say amen? Minister that's talking about how big his house is and how this and that and all this and that stuff he has to be that those are to be avoided. Did you hear me? Did you know that prosperity is relative to the eye of the beholder? Did you know that you can take a group of people? Did you know that, 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 that I can look at a house and say, wow, that is really a nice house. And did you know Donald Trump could look at the same house and say, that really isn't too nice of a house? Did you get what I just said? How many knows who Donald Trump is? 
He's very rich, isn't he? So I might look at a house that costs a certain amount of money and I might say, Diane, wow, look at that. And Donald Trump would look at that and say, I wouldn't let my dog sleep in there. Is, Is that right? It's in the eye of the beholder. You can go to some places on this planet and if you have a bicycle, you are wealthy. Is that right? I've been to Costa Rica. I, I, not that that's, I'm not a worldwide traveler, but I was in Costa Rica. I've been in Mexico and, and, and I've driven in and I've seen, I have a detached garage that would be a mansion. I, I store my lawnmower in it. It would be a mansion in Costa Rica. Did you get what I just said? So don't ever forget that prosperity is in the eye of the beholder. Jesus did have a treasurer. Judas did keep the money bag. Apparently he was a treasurer. He kept the money bag and he was stealing from it, which does imply to me there was enough money in the bag so that, you know, he could steal from it and it couldn't be noticed. So apparently there was some some significant money in the, in, in, in the bag. And Jesus did have a tax expert, which is very wise on Jesus' part. If you're going to do anything and be in the ministry or have a business or even in your regular life, how many of you have found you need somebody that knows what they're doing with the taxes? Is that right? So Jesus had a ministry where he had to have a treasure. He needed a tax man, apparently, or he had one. And there was evidently enough money in the treasury to provide for Jesus' staff. Now look at Luke 8, verse 1. Somebody might ask, well, where did Jesus get his money? How did he function? How did he operate? Did the money from the wise men carry him through all the way to the end of his ministry? No, and this will prove it to you, because if the money would have from the wise men would have taken him all the way to the end of his ministry, then he wouldn't have needed what we're about to read. This is in the New Living Translation, Luke 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour, a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. And he took his twelve disciples with him, along with some women he had healed from, and from whom he had cast out evil spirits, Mary Magdalene, whom he'd cast out seven demons out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Now think about this. Herod, the king, his business manager. What if I had uh, one of President Obama's business managers contributing to the church? Do you think that that would be a nice thing financially? They'd probably make a decent amount of money. I seldom talk about money. We're talking about money here today. Look at this. Susanna and many others. These were wealthy women, apparently. At least some of them were well-to-do. Who were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Do you see that? So where did Jesus get his money from? Did he just have fish spitting the money out at him when he walked down the bank of the river? No. Did the money from the wise men carry him all the way through? No. He had people supporting the work of God, just like what you just did here a while ago when we received the tithes and the offerings. Is that right? 
And by the way, the fish with the money in its mouth, how many remembers that incident where he told Peter to go first fish that comes up? That was a one-time incident. You know, I've heard people on television, they'll, they'll get on there and they'll talk about miracle debt cancellation. How many of you know that's not a doctrine of the Bible? You can't believe for miracle debt cancellation. Wouldn't that be nice if you could? But you can't. It happened a few times in the Old Testament under extenuating circumstances. And there was a reason why it happened. In the one case, the preacher's the preacher died and left his wife in a mess. And it was just the grace of God. Remember with that oil that kept multiplying? It was just the grace of God helping that lady out because the preacher, the prophet, left her in a mess. It was just God helping her out. But people go on television and say, look at that. Miracle debt cancellation. And then they'll tell you to send money into their ministry and then your debts will be canceled. Or they'll say money will mysteriously show up in your bank account. Now you're not stupid. Let's uh, not you stupid. You're not unwise enough to believe that, are you? And if it did show up in your account, about a 100% chance it was a mistake. And you need to be honest and go tell the people at the bank that there's been a mistake. Is that right? Now, there may be an occasion where something out, out of the bazaar happens somewhere where they have an Aunt Ethel. Does anybody have Aunt Ethel? Okay. Aunt Ethel died and left you some money and you didn't know about it. And they call you from the tax records and her Social Security number. And, oh, there's some money there. And they, yeah, that can happen, that kind of stuff that you didn't know Aunt Ethel left you in the will. But a lot of the stuff these TV preachers do, you just need to tur- say turn it off. My wife told me that years ago. I finally have listened to her. There's some good ones on there, but there's some ones that they're just out there to fleece you out of your money. Is that right? Oh, yeah. What about the expensive perfume? Remember that we talked about a while ago? Did Jesus wear expensive perfume or expensive cologne? No, I don't see where he did. If he did, he never talked about it. But that was Mary... Martha's sister who used that. They were wealthy people. And they anointed Jesus with this costly. She anointed Jesus with this costly perfume in preparation for the burial of his body. It was a holy thing she did. Real loud say holy thing. And to get on there on television or radio or stand up here and say, well, you know, Jesus just wore the best cologne and, 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 you know, just the best cologne that money could buy. All that does is cheapen the holy thing that that woman did to him. Is that right? That's all that does. And it is a shame that such a holy act is used by some ministers to justify extravagant lifestyles. And again, extravagance is in the eye of the beholder. I will say this. When she broke that over and you know, poured that on Jesus, he did not say, Whoa, 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 waste, waste, waste. No, no. Don't don't do that. Let's sell it and give it to the poor. Jesus didn't stop her, did he? And it was, it was a year's wages. And Jesus didn't stop her. It was a holy thing. And it was okay. It was okay. I said it was okay. He didn't stop her. 
Jesus, I'll just say this, I'll say it again. Jesus had no problem with people having money or people being rich. He had problem when their riches had a hold of them and a hold of their heart and distracted them from the word of God. That's where the problem comes in, as we'll see. Did he ride a new donkey in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem? Yes, he did. Why did he do it? To show humility. I like one thing. I don't like everything, but I like one thing this new pope has done. It blesses the socks off of me to see that man who could be riding around in a Rolls Royce, riding around in a little podunk little vehicle. Can anybody say amen to that? That just blesses me to see that little that, that little Pope mobile. I don't mean I'm not talking about the little one he rides through the crowds. I'm talking about the one that he rides from the airport. How many how many of that blesses you besides me? To see somebody who could be riding in a Rolls Royce say, No, I'm gonna be humble and I'm gonna ride in this little bitty th- thing here. And even he flew commercially, I think, one time back to Rome. That blesses me. There's been so much extravagance that has gone on over the last 30 years with with ministry that they get it through the... How many of you know we shouldn't be poverty mentality? The mentality shouldn't be poverty. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't believe in being broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm very blessed financially. God is blessed. I believe in financial blessing. I believe in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running. I believe in all of that. I believe in ha- I believe in having money. I believe in that. I just think it's wrong to get up and talk about it all the time and put emphasis on that. Can you say amen? Would Jesus drive a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes Benz if he were here? I don't think he'd even think about that or talk about that. It's it's irrelevant. He's interested in how can I get the gospel message out? How can I lay my hands on somebody and get them healed? He doesn't care how he gets from point A to point B. What about the seamless garment? Well, it was nice enough the soldiers shot dice for it. But can we conclude that Jesus was rich from this? Does this imply that Jesus wore expensive clothing? Would Jesus wear a Rolex? I don't think Jesus would give it any thought. He wouldn't. The Jesus I know from the Bible wouldn't give it any thought. He's not interested in watches and rings and all of that. He's interested in people. And I don't believe in using your faith for the next Rolex watch. I believe we ought to use our faith for the next sinner to win to Jesus. I learned this long time ago. You get to following God, running after God and following Him. He'll bless you financially. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to emphasize it or focus in on it. It'll just happen. Praise God. People that served Him in the Old Testament and knew they were blessed. Paul, Paul told young Timothy... He said, he warned him, because sometimes people think this extravagance of finances is just unique to this day. Paul told Timothy years, 2,000 years ago, he said that there will be some who imagine that godliness is a money-making business. He said, from such withdraw. I said it a different way. From such, turn the channel. Realize, say, turn the channel. And then he said this. This is in 1 Timothy. Some craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You've got to be watchful about money. 
It's so quick. It, the, deceit, the deceitfulness of riches, it can get, get you and deceive you. Nothing wrong with having money. Wrong when money has you. What about the rich man's tomb? Did Jesus not have enough money for his own tomb? Or should we say Jesus had the best tomb that money could buy? I'm going to say it this way. He was only going to need it for three days and three nights. So what difference does it make? Hello, did you get that? Let's, answer, let's let Jesus answer the question himself as to whether or not he was rich or poor. Can we do that? Matthew 26, 11. Let's let Jesus answer the question. Jesus, are you rich? Are you poor? Let's let him answer the question. New Living Translation, Matthew 26, 11. Jesus said, you will always have the poor among you. This is when Mary broke that alabaster of oil and... That expensive oil, year's wages. And here's what Jesus said when they were rebuking her and whatnot. The disciples were rebuking her. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Did Jesus just tell us something there? What did he tell us? That he was not poor. Now, I don't know how rich he was. How rich is rich? How long is a piece of string? Huh? How rich is rich? Some people, did you know if some people had a thousand dollars, they'd think they were rich. Is that correct? Some people, if they had ten thousand dollars, they'd think they were rich. Some people, if they had five, how many of you would think five hundred thousand dollars is rich? How many of you would take a million? Two million? Do I see a hand for three? How many like to how many like to have ten thousand dollars in the back? Yeah, there's I just get hand this young man's got his hand going up there. I like that. Jesus did not group himself among the poor. Did you know you can't be much help to the poor if you're poor yourself? Jesus advocated giving to the poor and he gave to the poor. It takes finances to do the work of God, to build and run a church or other ministries that help people. It, say it takes money. It takes money. Look at Matthew 6.19. Again, I'm not boring you, am I? Interesting today, don't you think? I've never taught a message like this. Not, not quite like this. Matthew 6.19, New King James Version. What did Jesus have to say about money and riches? Just let's go on just a little longer here. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember that uh, wherever your treasure is. Your heart will be there also. Your heart will follow that money. Did you ever notice that? Oh, yeah. You can find out what's important to you. Just look at your checkbook and you'll see. And then look at verse 24 here in the New Living Translation. He says, no one can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24, New Living Translation. 
For you'll either hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now I learned this. You can serve God with money. But you can't serve both God and money at the same time. You're either going to cling to the one and hate the other or vice versa. Now, some people will read these verses of Scripture and say it's wrong to have a checking account, a savings account, retirement accounts. It's wrong to have any kind of store at all. But but that's not what Jesus was really saying. You have to look at the spirit of it, because if that's really what he was saying, why did he have a money bag? Hmm. If we're not supposed to have any any savings account or checking account or any store of any kind, why would Jesus have a, a money box, a money bag? Why? That's not what he was saying. There's nothing wrong with having checking accounts, saving accounts, retirement accounts. Jesus talked about the parable of the minas and the talents. Remember that? And both dealing with money. Jesus, he taught on good stewardship and saving and as well as giving. And, and many, uh, many of the verses in the book of Proverbs will tell you to, to store up and whatnot. How many of you know Abraham? He was a rich man, wasn't he? And he had store, things stored up. So did Job. And how many of you know King David was probably a man after God's own heart we know he was probably a billionaire all you got to do is look and see all the stuff all the money that he left behind for Solomon to build the temple David was probably a billionaire did you hear me And you know why God blessed him so? Because he made many things. He was a man after God's own heart. But he said this one time. He said, I'll not give God an offering that didn't cost me anything. Did you know how many people in churches all throughout the United States, when the offering bucket goes by, they'll tip God, they'll throw in a dollar, they'll throw in five, they'll throw in, they'll just tip him? But David, God bless, you know everybody that served God, uh, Job, how many of you know Job was the richest man in the East, is that right? But David, he was so blessed and one of the reasons was he said, I'll not give God something that didn't cost me something. Isn't that good? The Bible says God takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servant. Malachi says that God will bless your storehouses. Well, you have to have storehouses for him to bless. See, the question is, where is your treasure? I'm asking you that this morning. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Where is your treasure? Is your treasure in the television set? Is your treasure in your car? Is your treasure in your house? Is it in your clothes? Is it your watch? Or is it in Jesus? Where is your treasure today? Look at Luke 12. Verse 15. New Living Translation. Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Can anybody say amen? Then he told them a story. Jesus did. He said, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, "Uh, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, what did God say? You and the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You don't want God calling you a fool. 
You will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have what? A rich relationship with God. See, nothing wrong with having savings accounts, checking accounts, IRAs. Nothing wrong with that. But be sure that, I like what one guy said, make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. That's a good way to live. This guy did not have, he had a lot of money, but he did not have a rich relationship with God and he died that night. And I wonder if that's the same rich man that Jesus talked about in Luke, the 16th chapter, that died and went to hell. I don't know, but might have been. How many remembers that? And, and I'll not take the time, but you can read Luke 16 and you can see the story of the rich man and Lazarus. How many has ever seen that or, or read that? And the rich man was in hell and Lazarus was over here in Abraham's bosom. And a lot of people think that the rich man went to hell because he was rich. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he lived his whole life and money distracted him. And he died without Jesus Christ. And it's always interesting over here in Abraham's bosom where Lazarus was. Who else was over in Abraham's bosom? Abraham. Read the story. And Abraham was one of the richest men that's ever lived. And he didn't go to hell. Why didn't he go to hell? Why didn't Abraham go to hell? Because he had the gospel preached to him and he believed it. The Bible said he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So money doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you go to heaven or hell. It's what are you trusting in? And having said that, look at Mark, the 10th chapter, the 21st verse, King James Version. I'm almost done, but just just hold on here. Mark 10, verse 21, then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Rich young ruler, guy's got a lot of money, comes up to Jesus, said, Jesus, what? He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one. Remember that? How many remembers that? Jesus was trying to get that young man to see that as long as you just see me as a good teacher, you can't be saved. You can't just see me as a good teacher. You have to see me as the son of God. That's the first thing he was trying to get across to this young man. And then he said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one. That's God. And he said, you know the commandments. And then he listed the commandments. How many remembers that? And then this young man said, all these I've kept from my youth. Jesus said, one thing that you lack. He said in verse 21, go thy way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up your cross and follow me. He was sad at that saying, went away grieved for he had what? But really, the great possessions had him. And really, what Jesus was trying to get him to see is that, well, yes, Jesus, I've kept all these other commandments. He didn't even keep the first one, which is, you'll have no other gods before me. His money was his God. What are you trusting in? And then in verse 23, Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And his disciples, look look at verse 24, his disciples were what? Astonished at his words. Jesus said, "It's How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words. Why were they astonished? Well, there was a teaching back then in that day that rich people were blessed by God. But I don't think that's why they were astonished. Of course, Jews, how many of you know Jews do real, and I love the Jews, how about you? They do real well financially, don't they? But that's not why they were astonished. You know why they were astonished? 
Because Jesus wasn't poor. Real loud say Jesus wasn't poor. He wasn't poor. Jesus said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Jesus, you've just, you've just exempted yourself from the kingdom of God. That's why they were astonished. Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for them that what? That what? That what? That what? That trust in, realize, say trust in, that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now the trust in riches is not in the original, it's in the King James, not in the original Greek. That's why it's not in some versions. Go back to verse 24. It's uh, it's not in the original. The trust in riches is not in the original, but it, but it is in some translations. But even if you take it out and you look at everything Jesus said in the other places of the of the Gospels, I'm fine with that trust in. Realize they trust in. I'm fine with that being in there. And it's right. How hard is it for them? See, nothing wrong with having riches. But where does the problem come in when you what? Trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. You OK with that? And then he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Again, it's not being rich. It's what? It's the trusting in. You okay? It's the trusting in. What are you trusting in today? It is hard for rich people to enter into the kingdom of God because the money distracts them from hearing the gospel. You know that money has become a god in the United States, hasn't it? And not just in the United States. Jesus was not poor. But was he rich? How rich was he? Listen to this. I think you're going to find this interesting. I can't find where Jesus ever emphasized his financial standing. His net worth. His housing accommodations. His mode of transportation. Jesus never emphasized that. Jesus had finances. He didn't emphasize the financial blessing. He didn't talk about how he got from one place to another. He didn't talk about what his what jewelry. He, he didn't talk about his. He didn't talk about his clothes. He did. Listen to this. You'll find this interesting. Who's one of the greatest evangelists of our day? Huh? Exactly. And if I went on to say, who's one of the greatest evangelists of our day who has never really been criticized by mainstream media? Billy Graham. Has anybody in here ever seen Billy Graham get on television and talk about his transportation? Talk about how he gets from one city to another? Talk about his jet, his car, his house? His jewelry, his suits, huh? No. Yes or no? no? He never is. To, and wouldn't you say he's probably reached as many people for Jesus as anybody else? I looked up. I just went on Google and did a little searching, and I think I went to a fairly reputable site, and I found what his net worth was in 2015. What year are we in? Oh, I think this is his personal. Because I know his ministry would be worth a whole lot more than this. But I, I again, I, I, I'm not going to stand behind this, but I think it's pretty accurate, probably. I think his personal net worth, I think, is $25 million. Now, you know, there's some people who would criticize him over that. When you've done as much for God as he's done... 
then you can criticize him. I heard somebody start criticizing Joyce Meyer one time. I said, hold it, wait a minute. I said, just stop. I said, don't criticize her in my presence until you've given this church $50,000 like she's done. And I didn't ask for it. I didn't inquire it over couple of different occasions they've given this church about $50,000 just to bless us help pay the building off and build now when you've given this church 50,000 now then I'll start listening to your credit oh I won't even listen then until you're giving millions of dollars away every year helping throughout the world now then maybe I'll start and I'm not even going to listen to you then because people like that you don't want to listen to them that's criticizing I'll listen to Joyce Meyer how about you amen I don't have a problem with with the blessing she has. Look at what she does all around the world. Look at Billy Graham. Billy Graham, I never hear Joyce Meyer talking about, she's got a nice jet. She doesn't talk about it on television that I've ever heard. I want to follow somebody like that. I don't want to follow people that's talking about their jets and their this and their that and their other. Can you say amen? Jesus didn't do that. All right, let's close this up. I know I've preached a little long. Did you get anything out of this today? 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Now, this will set us up for the next couple of weeks. I won't preach as long next week. But heck, I haven't gone that long now, have I? It's only 11.21. Some preachers keep you here at least another 45 minutes. I'm going to let you go here in about five or six. Here, I'm supposed to do something. The Holy Ghost told me to do it. I'm going to do it. Bring that, that kid right there. Here, pass that back to him. Spirit of God says, give that to him. Now, son, you sitting here. No, don't thank me. I wouldn't have given it to you. The Holy Ghost said give it to you. Now, you tithe on that. Now, I'm a math teacher, so we're going to see if we get this right. Do you know what 10% of that is? If you don't know, my wife will help you. What is 10% of a 20 you give $2 in the offering next, next time you're here, and you take the rest of it, and you just seek God as to how you spend it. And if you seek the Lord and follow Him and hang on every word, He'll bless you as you go along your way throughout the rest of your life. Okay? Now, are you glad you came today? Now you're ready to listen to me finish this up, aren't you? You hope the Lord will speak to me again, right? I don't just do that. Spirit of God said, give him, give him. So I did. Do that. Everybody else will want to sit here and let me. Second Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was what? Rich. Yet for your sakes he became Poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, did you know, because a lot of times people will come in there and they'll say, well, yeah, but he's talking about spiritual things. That does have to do with spiritual things. Certainly it does. But did you know this verse is sitting in the context of a financial offering? Sometimes you ought to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And you'll see, Paul, Paul says in there, if you took the time to read it, he said, he said, because they were getting ready to receive a gift for the church there in Jerusalem, he said, I want it to be a willing gift. Do you know God wants you to give willingly, not grudgingly? 
Paul said? He said, each one must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. How many of you like that? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Realize, say cheerfully. And generously, certainly. And God will generously, generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. See, if you read those two chapters, you'd see Paul saying that. And then in verse 9, he says that though Jesus was rich, how many of you know in heaven before he became a man, he was rich? In every way, is that right? Now, when he became a man, see, we think about him dying on the cross, him becoming poor. And how many of you know on the cross he became poorer than poor, is that right? In every way, spiritual Mental, physical, social, financial. Is that right? In every way. We think about that on the cross, and that's true. And he did that so that when we believe on him, we can become rich spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, financially. We think about that on the cross, and that's that's right. But in order for him to get to the cross, there's something else we overlook. He had to become a man. Is that right? How many of you know that was an awesome price? The only way, and I don't do this disrespectfully, but the only way that I can get this across to you is to say this. How many of you, being a human, would like to become a dog for three and a half, 33 and a half years? Huh? Did you get what I just said? That's not a good example, but it's the best one that I can show you to get you to see. Think about being, being the second member of the Trinity, and now you're going to become human forever, really. Is that right? How many of you like to become a dog and take the form of a dog? Now, I know because man was made in the likeness and image of God, and I understand that. But still, how many of you, if you were God, you'd want to become a man? Did Did he pay a price when he became a man? He became poor so that we could what? Become? How many of you love Jesus? Look at Philippians 2, and I promise I'll close with this. Message Bible, Philippians 2, verse 5. Think of yourselves, though, and this is the Message Bible. It'll be on the screen. Philippians 2, verse 5. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave Became human, look at verse 8, having become human, he stayed human. Did you know he's still in a human body today? It's a glorified body, but it's still human. How many of you know Jesus' body still has the scars in it? How many of you know that was a big price to pay? He's in a human body, glorified. What a price. And he stayed human. It was, was incredibly humbling. It was an incredibly humbling process. Did you read that? It was what kind of a process? Incredibly humbling him becoming a man. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. At the cross is when he really became poor. Do you understand that? Because in his earthly ministry, you can see financially he had money. We don't know how much, but he had money. He helped people. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. And when he got raised from the dead, we got raised with him, didn't we? All we have to do is believe on him and we tap into that resurrection power. Did you learn anything today? Was Jesus poor? Was he rich? 
he was rich, but we could, it depends on how you look at it. But did he have enough to help people? Chew on this for a while. Think about it. I'm glad I taught it. I'm glad you came to hear it. Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads, please.